probably noticed the, uh, the lack of music so far tonight, and uh, Adam, our musician's brother, got married yesterday in Florida, so he's, he's out of state for the wedding, so just pray for a safe travel and that, uh, well, that they live happily ever after, I guess. So growing up on, in our house, chore day was always Friday, which I don't know whose idea it was, my mom's or my dad's, but Friday seems like the worst day possible because you get home from school and the first thing parents say is, you know, you got to do your chores before you do anything else. It's like, but it's Friday and it's, it's, not, it's not a day for chores, mom and dad. I don't know why they, what they were thinking, but anyways, who am I to judge? So, of course, there were things to do throughout the week, you know, you'd get your dishes, you got things here and there, but like Friday was always the day that you had to do your weekly chores. So that was, mine was always, I was in charge of the basement. So cleaning the basement, dusting, vacuuming, all of that had to be done every Friday. And there was one Friday that was about this time of year. So things had just started to get nice, right? Things were just starting to get really um, just beautiful days outside. And I was probably about in sixth grade. And uh, I got home, my parents weren't home yet from work, and I thought, yeah, they're not going to notice. My friends were playing wiffle ball, and I thought, I'm going to play wiffle ball, I'm going to skip out on my chores. I'll come back, like, I'll do them, they won't notice. My parents never went downstairs, there's no way they're going to find out. So I went over to my friend's house, they were a bike ride away, we went over there and uh, had a great game of wiffle ball play, just all sorts of fun, enjoying the beautiful spring weather, winter had just broken, and as we're playing, I'm in the outfield, you know, shagging the fly balls and throwing them down and whatever, and I see my dad's car coming up the road, I thought, yeah, I know what this one's about, right, I know what's, what's about the conversation, he didn't even need to say anything, uh, I knew exactly what, what it was about. I still don't to this day know how he knew that I didn't do my chores, but you know how parents know those things. But so there was this sense of like, I know what this is about, right? I know the conversation we're about ready to have. And there's probably this sense in Peter in the gospel that he knows what's about ready to happen. He knows the conversation that he's about ready to have with Jesus. Because you think about everything that's going on in Peter's head. I mean, first in this gospel, he decides he's going to go back fishing. Like, he's kind of going back to his old way of life. So they're out fishing. They don't catch anything. He realizes it's the Lord that helped them catch this massive catch. And so Peter just takes off swimming back to the shore. And as he gets out on the shore, he sees, of course, Jesus there with a couple fish and some loaves on a charcoal fire. There's only one other spot in the entire Bible where there's a charcoal fire. Every other fire, it's a wood fire, it's not mentioned what kind of fire. There's only one other time it's a charcoal fire. It's when Peter denies Jesus three times. Three times as Peter's warming himself in the charcoal fire, Holy Thursday night into the morning of Good Friday, and people ask him, hey, um, you know, do you know this guy? I tell you, I do not know the man. Three times next to the charcoal fire, Peter denies Jesus. And you could imagine what's going on in Peter's head as he walks up off of shore and sees a charcoal fire right there. Well, I know what sort of conversation we're about ready to have, Lord. Like, he knows exactly what's going to happen. But it probably doesn't go that conversation as Peter planned, because at first the Lord doesn't say anything. The first words out of the Lord's mouth are, get some of them fish you caught and bring them here. And then as they're going through, you know, they have the meal, they're eating the loaves, they're eating the fish. And then Jesus takes Peter by himself and asks him three times, 
do you love me more than these? Of course, it's to kind of reinstate him. After three times denying him, he gets to make up for that by three times saying, do you love me more than these? But it's a really kind of ambiguous question that Jesus asks him. Do you love me more than these? What's these? What's he referring to? Because my first instinct is he says, do you love me more than these? It's, Peter, do you love me more than all these other people? Do you love me more than these other people? Which one of them would include Simon's own brother, Andrew, and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who he's been fishing with for a while. Like, am I number one in your life? And that's a great question for all of us. The, the Lord asks us all the time, do you love me more than these? Whoever it is in our lives, do you love me more than this individual? But there's another way to read that question. Do you love me more than these fish? I know that sounds silly, but when Peter's life seemed hopeless, the first thing he went back to was fishing. He went back to his work. He loved his job. It's where he found peace. It's probably where he found himself. He was good at it. He was great at catching fish. The question, of course, is for all of us also. Do we love the Lord more than our work? Do we love the Lord more than our hobbies? Do we love the Lord more than how we enjoy to spend our time? And that question is that Jesus asked is so ambiguous. It could be, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than your work as a fisherman? And then even a third way that they could, that question could be taken. Do you love me more than these others love me? If Peter's going to be the leader of this group, he's got to be first in love. He's got to be the first one leading with love, leading with his heart, showing the others what it means to love Jesus Christ, showing the other disciples what it means to to surrender, what it means to be generous, what it means to be careful, what it means to be forgiving. Do you love me more than all of these other ones love me? And of course, at the end of the day, it, it really doesn't really matter which way the Lord's asking. It's probably intentionally ambiguous that he just simply asks, do you love me more than these? Because the real news is, whatever one that Peter struggles with, whichever part of that question, the fact that Jesus asked that question of him, and that Jesus comes to find him, is really the most important thing. Next Sunday, we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday, where Jesus is the good shepherd that goes to find the lost sheep. Well, that's what he does right here. Peter's lost, he's wandering, he's not living his life as a, as a believer, and so Jesus comes to find him. He comes to seek out the one who's gone lost. And Peter probably feels so undeserving. Right? He probably feels like he's just screwed up and could never, ever go back. And there's probably so many times in our lives that we too feel like we're done. Right? Either the Lord's done with us, so we're ready to throw in the tower, we got nothing left in the tank, and we're just burnt out, or whatever it is. We just feel like we're done. No matter what way we feel like we're done. Maybe we're Peter, and we're like, I'm done, I'm screwing up so much, the Lord probably doesn't have anything to do with me anymore, and I'm just, you know, whatever, waste of the sacraments, or something like that. Like, sometimes we beat ourselves up that much. Or sometimes we think we're done, where it's like, we've got it all figured out. Right? We kind of get a bit, a bit puffed up. We can get a bit arrogant. Or even if we say, well, we've done enough. Like, I've done enough. I've done, I've done my duty. And we're done. You know, we kind of get to the end of our rope or we just think it's time for somebody else, somebody else to do their thing. We're, we're wrapping up. 
Or even there's a sense of like, I'm being done, being formed as a Catholic. You know, we had uh, First Communion Mass here earlier today, and part of that, that homily, or part of the thoughts were just, we're never done. Whether it's your First Communion, or whether it's your Thousandth Communion, we're never done falling deeper in love with Jesus Christ. We're never done allowing that gift of the body and blood of Christ to transform our lives. We're never done. The Lord is always at work in our lives. So none of these being done is ever true. If we think we're done and the Lord's finished with us because we've screwed up, well, there's an answer to that. It's mercy. It's what Peter encountered. It's what we encounter in the sacrament of reconciliation. Or if we think we're done like we've done enough, our time's up, well, look at how much more there is possible to do. Look at the, the people who could know Jesus Christ, who could come to love and serve him in their lives. Or maybe we think we're done being formed in our Catholic faith, and of course there's not a chance of that. I was talking to a farmer the other day who's just learning more constantly about the best ways to farm. And if a farmer stopped learning, well, they would get left behind. And in the same ways in our faith, sometimes we could get left behind if we're not still active trying to learn more about the Lord, about his church, and about the ways he interacts with us, the ways he shows us his love. And one of the things where we're starting this summer, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, is we're calling it RCA for, for Catholics. Maybe you've been Catholic your whole life and you want to little, learn more about your faith, or, or maybe you know somebody that you could bring, or maybe there's, you just need a refresher, maybe you're away for a while and coming back, or whatever it may be to offer these evenings to relearn, or maybe learn for the first time so many truths of our faith. We could all probably learn something new. I know in preparing them, I'm learning new things. So that's all in the bulletin. But we have that because the Lord's never done with us. Right? There might be those moments in our lives where there's a charcoal fire and we think, yeah, I just really messed that one up. And the Lord's not there to throw us in the fire, right? He didn't build that fire so he could toss Peter on it and say, you're dead to me. But he used that fire as a sign of mercy, as a reminder of Peter's need for mercy. But then he says, do you love me? To remind him, who's the center? Is it your job? Is it these other people? Is it your own humility or lack thereof? But then he gives Peter a task. He ends his interaction with Peter all three of those times by saying, feed my sheep. Peter, I'm going to need you to go out there and take care of my people. There are people in this world, Peter, that are going to need the saving truth of the gospel. And that's the same thing for us. Jesus asks us if he loves us, if we love him, not just for our own sake, but for everybody that we encounter, every person that we come into contact with, all of us, need Jesus Christ. And so as the Lord gives us his body and blood, as he shows us his love, that's not just for ourselves. It's for everybody that we encounter. And the Lord says the same thing to us, just like he said to Peter at that charcoal fire. Do you love me? And when we say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, his response is simple and always the same. Feed my sheep.